All right. Welcome, everybody. I uh, I think it's our 41st episode of Dojo Universe. I'm not quite sure, but uh, things are happening. And uh, I think I hear Vin out there. And I'm out here. When we hit 50, do we shower everyone with gold? Um... I don't know. I mean, yes, I think you're going to have to supply the gold, but yeah, otherwise. <laughs> yes, we will Virtual gold. Do Indeed. So how's everybody out in the world doing? Um, looks like we've been working to uh, improve the login process. It looks like it's happening. Um, but everyone's doing good, I hope. I trust. Ready for spring. Ready for spring. Yeah, I am also. And the weather's cooperating, spring. luckily. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I don't think oh, it's cooperating what's... here. Oh really? But um, yeah, what uh, you know? I guess St. Patrick's Day is this weekend, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. I think did we? Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah, I don't know. If it was last week or the week before? We were sort of discussing St. Patrick's Day prep. Um, because parades tend to go through all through the month, right? They kind of finish on St. Patrick's Day or that weekend. That's definitely true in New Jersey. I don't know if that's so much true in other parts of the world. I mean, I feel like... Uh, well, yeah, Bruce, Bruce had said that Canada doesn't really do St. Patrick's Day too much. Um, Carl, what is that thing that you're dangling on the screen? Is that like, was those Paddy's Day wristies? <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yes, those are our St. Patrick's Day shamrock green wristies? Uh, wristies. Oh, that is that is just too much. Yeah, I've I've got three <laughs> pair in, in size small here for anybody who wants one. I'll give you a really good price on them. Kind of cool. I like them. <laughs> they keep your hands warm. They do. That they really do. Are these the ones still that have the, cold out. the heat pockets in them? No, these are just the regular shorts. Um, but they're made from a really lovely, um, flannel. Let me show you what I got. <laughs> well, that'd be good. I think it's still pretty cold outside, so they'd be good. I think the, uh, the New York, the big city parades are this oh, yeah. Saturday, right? New York oh, yeah. and Boston and all those others. So this will be a really, really, really good thing. And Risty's just got this really cool laser etching, um, device. <laughs> and so oh, we've got a... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, they sent us one. But if, if nice. any bands are looking for band-customized wristies or anything like that, they can do it in any color, any Shameless. any shape, any size. And they can probably do, do ones with the pockets, too. So um, if you wanted ones to say, my pipe band, um, we could do that for you. It's just kind of yeah. cool. It is cool. Go. It's kind of clever, I mean, because what would be, I think, the biggest objection to to, uh, you know, wristies would be that it's not uniform, but uh, but now it can be. You know, you could yeah. even probably put your clan crest in there to make it look. Oh yeah. Oh, you the, or well, does or it make sense to do the black ones that way too? Yeah. You do the black ones like that. You can. Yes. So it's all it's all very, all very new and exciting. It's happening. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> Um, and so my hands are going to be warm for today's episode. So, Vin, tell me, what are, what are we talking about today here? Well, it's it's spring, isn't it? It's, at least it is in New Jersey. It's still got that uh, little chill in the air, but it's sunny and nice, and 
the weather's cooperating and you start thinking about what I'm going to be doing bagpiping wise this as the, as the months come on, you know. So it's a, uh, you know, what, what kind of spring training does everybody want to do to to get in shape for the, you know, for the coming season? You know. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think that's a good question. So, um, yeah, I'm just reading your blurb here, Ben. It's very clever. Whether you're an active competing soloist or do the gig <laughs> circuit, the warmer months always bring a flurry. See, I see what you did there. Always bring like a that, flurry right? of activity. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, um, well, you know, it's like, it's like it follows the whole baseball thing. You know, the baseball season will start as spring training is going on and, you know, Players are training, getting in shape, getting ready for their, uh, you know, for their game seasons. So, uh, pipers do the same, right? We have contests coming up. I think some parts of the country we've got contests starting up even that next month, probably. I think, at least here in the mid-Atlantic Northeast area. Well, I think um, I think you know I think I would start by saying you know one of the most important things, um, as far as shall we say, making the bagpipe an extension of yourself. So one of the biggest things for me, and we've talked about this many times, and I know you're a proponent of this, Vin, is uh, goal setting, um, uh, you know, small-term, medium-term, and long-term goal mm -hmm. setting. You know, and so what happens when we get to the springtime is um, we start to mobilize to achieve some, you know, some of the longer-term goals that we've been working on. So. Mm -hmm. So last fall, I said, well, you know, um, this year I'm going to learn four new P-Brocks and I'm really going to try to win, you know, in, you know, su such and such a contest. Well, at this point, you know, the bigger contests are closer, uh, you know, and it, now it's time to sort of take all of the development that I've mm -hmm. done and start to really implement it. W one of the struggles in the wintertime is going to be, especially with the holidays and then the fact that it's so cold and dry is I'm not really spending, you know, tons and tons of hours on my full instrument like, I, like I'm going to be in the next few months because, you know, I uh, – just because it's been really difficult to have that sort of time and, you know, so it's been minimized. So I'm going to start to play my pipes a lot um, probably as soon as St. Patrick's Day is over and I've given my pipes a nice dry out. I always find that St. Patrick's Day is a great – you know, um, it's a cool parade to sort of kick off the season, but it also marks the end of the winter phase for me. Yeah. So I'm going to come home from St. Patrick's Day. My pipes are going to be in shambles because I'm going to try to play them in, you know, 28 degree weather. <laughs> and uh, it's gonna, they're going to get soaking wet. So they're probably going to need, uh, you know, a full maintenance work through in regards to, you know, getting the pipes going again. So probably next week I'll just sort of gradually work on getting my pipes going and then, um, by the end of the week, I'm going to be in killer playing mode, and um, and things are going to go, you know, things are going to go from there, and and I'm going to, you know, get back to my 100% regime. It's almost like St. Patrick's Day is bagpipe New Year. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah, because you know, because the workout you give them during the parade time and gig time is, you know, not exactly what you would call, you know, optimal work <laughs> or even you know sort of uh, solid performance type stuff you know because you hopefully you've been working on a you know new competitive material or you know if you're playing with a band you've got you've got that stuff going um, so you're not really going to be you're going to be polishing that hopefully but now is the time right now you start focusing on it you start 
sort of maybe working on it exclusively rather than worrying about parade, which parade you're going to next. You know, so, uh, you know, for me, I, I was like, <clears throat> you know, experimenting with different things over the winter, like drone reads and things like that. But now is, you know, like I said, St. Patrick's Day is the time where are we okay? Now I got to start, you know, thinking about which, what, what do I like? What experiments have worked, which, which haven't? Um, and where am I headed? Because now is the time where I want to sort of solidify the sound that you want to achieve. Um, so then that could be, you know, one of two or three different combinations of drone reads, maybe. Um, we talked last week about bags. You know, now is the time to really start really working that in to see if you like it, um, to make sure that it's going to give you what you need. Um, so, you know, it sort of begins that process, right? Definitely. So, I mean, you know, what, uh, what else are we looking at as far as spring training is concerned? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think now is the time usually, you know, you know, you spend a lot of time working on tunes, maybe, over the winter. You know, if those are your goals, like you said, you said, my goal is to learn four new pre-brocks, now is the time to check your goals uh, and to see how far along you are in achieving them and maybe revise them, you know, a little. Um, it's not, there's no harm in that, right? They're your goals, they're, they can be whatever you want them to be. Um, and there's no, uh, there's no shame in saying, you know what, I didn't achieve that goal, I have to adjust it, maybe I should, you know, stick to three and then maybe or stick to two and, and move forward in another direction. But, you know, it's the, the key is the progress. The key is the continual progress that you're making toward some goal, you know, maybe make them smaller, maybe make them more manageable, perhaps. Right. Um, you know, but, you know, as far as, tunes, as far as tunes go, like now would be the time to really check that to see if, you know, how far along are you in learning those new tunes? Um, you know, is it going to take a little more time before they're up and ready, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, so, crap, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> all right, so how, how do you, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned, Ben, is we should now be getting in shape, and I can't agree more. We, we had practice on Sunday, and, you know, I'm not in the greatest shape. So what are some things that you can do to, to get yourself in good playing shape again? Well, I, I, think, it, I think it begins with, uh, with a, a practice, practice routine that you're going to be able to keep and maintain. Um, you know, hopefully if you've gotten one, you've had one in the past, you know, you'd be, you'd be sort of whipping that into full gear now. Um, you know, if, if that means playing every day, it means coming up with an actual, you know, routine that you practice, what, what you're going to be practicing um, to make sure that your, either your material or your instrument is up in good working order. Um, you know, I think, I think it really comes down to just playing more frequently maybe. Yeah, Just at a baseline. I, I think uh, I think one of the big things for me is um, you. I like to use my band read a lot when I practice. So you know, even though I'm working on my solo material, and ultimately I want to be getting my solo chanter going, I pop my band chanter in for the first 20 minutes, and that's that's the part of my practice session where I play through my band stuff, make sure that it's going well. Um, but I also do that so that I can build a little, little bit of that muscle that I need to do. I actually try yeah, yeah. to play. I actually try to play 20 continuous minutes on my um, bandpipe. It's kind of like putting on ankle weights when you're running, mm -hmm. right? Because it, it takes more energy. The problem with most of our solo reads, especially at this time of the year, is they've kind of become, you know, um, grandma's solo pipe strength. <laughs> you know? yeah. Grandma's practice pipe. And uh, you know what happens is we don't we sort of lose perspective and we don't have tons of strength. 
and so we're sort of we can be we can end up getting stuck with that if we're not careful yeah i always like to i always like to pop in a new read around this time of year too like i think i put in i started working a new solo read last month was it last month i think it was um just to just to, you know to, to really start building that you know just to keep it going so you know you're not at that comfort level so you don't get to that comfort level till the end of the year <laughs> and then maybe the read is maybe if the read holds out great for you but it's still now at that point where you know you could pop it in and play it no problem but uh you know working in a new solo read is always a good a good exercise for this time of year because it keeps you it keeps you mindful you know of of what you're doing you know playing wise blowing wise um and it's a good time to to start breaking in those reads right you know before you're actually out on the on the field competing uh in solos you, you know and then you're going to have a good working read hopefully by that time yeah. Carl, what are your thoughts? Because I know I, you've been doing a lot of playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just important to get out there and start doing it. I mean, I, I know what's making the difference for me right now is is having a dedicated time and doing my level best to do it every day. Um, and I don't know, I, I've, I've gotten probably about 80% um, of all my practice hours that I set aside and, and uh, doing all right with it. And, I, and I'm, I think the important part is to remember that you got to have fun with this. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm having fun. I'm practicing. I'm playing um, and uh, working on my new material. Uh, I still have a little bit more material to learn, but uh, it's well yeah. on its way. I, I envy Mary's time. She's just two hours in the yeah. morning and two hours no in the evening. Kidding. Boy. That would be that would be amazing. I I wish I had that kind of time. Yeah, yeah I wish I wish there were shortcuts. You know, I, I you know everybody likes to think that it's possible to do it in some clever way, but really it comes down to doing it every day. <laughs> I mean, if everybody needs to, to hear that, you have to do it every day. And it's just like anything else. Um, if you're really serious about improving, you're gonna have to put the work in, and that requires every day. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's you you can get away with it, I guess, every now and then, but uh, you know. It's if it's really you know if it's good if it means something to you you're gonna have to put that time in so um, but it doesn't mean it's a chore right it shouldn't be a yeah. chore you no. have to make practice interesting for you and hopefully that means you're you're progressing and you're working on things that are interesting for you and and you're seeing results and all of that fun stuff absolutely I totally agree it's uh, I don't know it can be a very um, a very fun time of year. Uh, especially with St. Patrick's Day around the corner, we've been chatting about this. Uh, it's a great time to go out and make a bunch of money and uh, remember why it's fun to play bagpipes at this time of year. And yeah. uh, it's a good way to, to fund, uh, you know, some some purchases for stuff for solos, like if you need a new solo channel or, <laughs> or Ristis. Andrew Ristis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or some new solo reads. You know, get three or four of them. It's, it's a great mm -hmm. way... Of, of thinking, hey, great, I, I earned some money with my pipes. Uh, you know, maybe I can invest it back into into yeah. my own playing. Or or planning, you know, planning your travel schedule for the year. I mean, I think it's always right. a good idea to sit down with your calendar and figure out where you're going to be going. Um, and hopefully you're going to need, you know, you're going to say, put your St. Patty's Day money aside for hotel rooms and plane fare or whatever you're going to be doing. Uh, I mean... Especially if you're in a band, you should definitely sit down with your calendar. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's really. It's, I think planning gets short shrift in all this bagpiping stuff that we talk about. You know, like I, I, you know, in a lot of ways, you really do. You know, where you do it, 
is is going to be as important as what you're doing. So you'd be working all this time, spending, you know, every day practicing and breaking in new reads and stuff. But it, it, you know, it's really when where are you going to be doing that? <laughs> so it, I think it's important to 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 be aware of what's going to be satisfying for you. You know, what's going to be um, you know, meaningful for you as well, you know, in terms of how, what, how lev what level of activity uh, you want to do for this coming year and this coming season. So um, I think that's an important part of the goal setting process. If you're going to be worrying about new tunes, you should also be worrying about where you're going to be playing them as well um, and, and what kind of needs you have. You know, you might want to only do small contests, you might want to do travel locally or something like that. Um, so it's about getting the most out of, out of your efforts there. Yes, I agree. <laughs> My mic wasn't on there for a second. Um, that all sounds good. And then um, I think that sounds good. There are a lot of workshops in the springtime, too. There are, yeah. By a there's lot. A, there's, a... there's definitely the Oren Moore spring training workshop. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the main workshop. And uh, I don't know what else is going on out in the world of workshops in, in the spring. I think I think there's, a lot, there's like weekend things here and there that pop up every now and then. They don't oftentimes get uh, you know promoted as well as probably other things but uh, you know there's will be this weekend workshop with so-and-so because they're coming in to teach a band or something like that um, you always see that impromptu recital that pops up in May <laughs> or April um, with Bruce Gandy or somebody like that who's because he's, he's out teaching somewhere um, uh, and Leonard asked what makes some reads makes a reads for solo use? I guess what makes some reads good for solo use? I'm not sure of the question. Yeah, Actually. he's asking, what's the difference between a band read and a solo read? Well, depending on your pipe major <laughs> and how much abuse he wants to dole out, it could yeah. be, uh, it could be uh, <laughs> the difference between wetting yourself and not, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, solo reads, I think, definitely should be more efficient. I, I think the bottom line with a solo read is that you've got to be totally comfortable with the, um, with the strength so you can really put all of your focus into, um, into the music and your playing. Um, and it's not good to fight with the solo read, in other words, because that will distract you from what you're trying to do. Um, and ultimately, yeah, I, you know, I, I always go for like as easy as possible without being ridiculous. You know, um, you, there's always an optimal balance you're going to need, personally. You know, uh, and that might, but it shouldn't be something you're going to have to work, like you said, work for. Or even sometimes an easy read really requires work as well. You know. Um, to play, so you need that balance. Um, so, but the band is always going to be probably a little tougher because you want a bigger, a bigger sound out of them, um, generally. But uh, well, you also want more stability as well. So, so the solo read is going to be easier because you're going for that more um, mellow, rich, uh, you know, sound. That's you know where the volume isn't as important as as maybe the overall <clears throat> quality of it and then of course for the strength to be easy enough to really focus on the nuances is really important um, in the band however you know volume is a major consideration as is stability the easier the reads people are playing the harder it will be to tune because with that you know with the decrease in resistance that you get with an easy read there's also an increase in the range of potential pitches and the harder it is to control so that's another thing as well 
uh, Sean says, molded reeds are more amenable to solo work than they are to band work. Um, yeah, that certainly seems to be the way things are going. Uh, ridge cut reeds are uh, designed for volume, uh, for plug and play capability. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that, that uh, I think ridge cut reeds can um, can also be used very effectively in a solo setup. A ridge cut reed can sort of give you that that bright sound that you might not mm -hmm. be able to get out of a molded reed. Yeah. And, and I think that they tend to be a little more stable, um, just in general, only because they're they're just I guess the, just the way they're, they're constructed. They got a, they got a big sound box, and and the blades tend to vibrate a little more freely. So it's just it maintains its balance and holds it better than a ridge cut, which I'm a molded reed, which is could be all over the place depending on moisture and how much cutting you're doing and scraping and that kind of thing. Um, their, their variability can be can can suffer some if you start monkeying with them too much. Uh, what, uh, Siri, doing St. Patty's, the band does five sets, then we do solos outside, then back to repeat the five sets. Drones get soaked while waiting for the solo. Any insights into moisture control? Uh, change my water that's, bottle. That's a, rough, that's a rough schedule. Well, at least you, you're doing exactly five. You don't do six or four, maybe? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty scripted gig, man. I wish I had gigs like that. <laughs> do solos outside. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's cold outside, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. Yeah. If you've got some, if you've got some time, you can always, you know, wipe a swab to the drones if you if you need to, or um, yeah. if it's really an issue. I mean, obviously, if it's depending on the temperature and the changes that you're going in and out with, yeah, you got a lot. You're going to have to do something because the minute you strike up from after being outside, it's gonna it's gonna be uh it's gonna be quite the sound for a while. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and I like um, I like what Mary's saying. Keep, you know, carry brushes with you, or, or keep a little maintenance kit. Keep your pipe case close by if you can. I think that's good. Siri says it'll be 70s. Um, In both outside and inside. Well, well, good for you. <laughs> so then, um, so then, yeah, you should be able to, uh, you know, uh, you should be able to keep things yeah, not too crazy wet. Yeah. You know, now now you're just dealing with humidity in in you know inside versus outside kind of thing. I think um, you're just struggling against that maybe. But that you know do, doing that kind of that kind of gig is is pretty grueling. So I mean you know working toward that, you know like you said Andrew, is like you just do the uh, you know you want to work toward playing you know 20 minutes straight or maybe even longer for that sort of ankle weight treatment. <laughs> to get ready for stuff like that you know it's not often we need to do that right you know especially if you're playing with a band you go out you play five sets then you're going outside and you're playing right after that and you go back inside play right after that i mean there are the gig occasional gig that's like that and certainly parades can sometimes be like that and it's definitely a, uh, a performance um regimen that you we don't encounter in a, in a in a competitive environment like you know for solos or for band solo you know for, for band competition it's like this pretty the timing is all pretty well mapped out and how long you're going to be playing overall. So being ready for that is, is important, right? You're going to be able to keep it going and be strong and all that. Yeah, Bill asks, would it help if you plug one tenor drone and then switch tenor drones? That's actually a very common question, and people often speculate these sorts of things, but the answer is no, it doesn't help. 
Um, <laughs> you know, the issue the issue with condensation on your drone reads has to do with the actual temperature of the drone read relative to, um, you know, the the air temperature and humidity inside the bag. You know, it's it's just like if the grass on the ground when it gets dew on it, you know, um, at nighttime, you know, because uh, it all has to do with relative humidity. And so yeah. um, it doesn't matter if your drone is going or not, um, moisture will still condense on that read. Now, granted, um, a lot, you know, so I guess, yeah, you could buy yourself maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds of time if you did that. Um, but within 30 seconds, the other read would be saturated also, um, you know, because, you know, as the air heads in that direction, it's just going to happen. So, you know, I've heard speculations along those lines, you know, and all sorts of different things, but um, the answer is no, I don't think that helps. Yeah, maybe should, there should be a moisture management class at, at uh, or more spring training. Seems yeah. to be a topic that comes up quite often. Just, and yeah. also, you know, Sean, carrying two sets of drone reads, that's not going to help either. Yeah. Uh, again, it might buy you a few mere moments. Yeah. But again, I mean, it's th those moments are going to be spent probably trying to get them in tune, and then by the time you yeah. even sort of get them in tune, they'll be wet again. But you're better off just like blowing out the reeds you you've got and drying them off and sticking them back in, and you know, and that's it. At least they'll be like relatively tunable at that point. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what? Do we, so what's? So what's cooking at the Oramore Spring Training this coming up? We got that coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, uh, it's funny you should ask that. Because uh, I mean that's one thing. That's definitely one thing that we uh, that in terms of getting in shape for the season, you know, going to workshops and sort of filling your brain with all the stuff you need for uh, you know for playing pipes come in the coming months is always a good thing. I know I always like to to attend things like that just to, at, a, at a certain time of year, whether it's this time of year or maybe a little earlier, just to sort of get you going, get you motivated, you know, get you excited again uh, so you can sort of energize yourself for the coming months. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking that up. Bear with me here. I'm going, I'm looking for a... Uh... So I know that I've... Uh... Yeah, John, James, is, is there a good site to look for weekend events? You just have to check. You just have to check the, you know, the, the, the piping outlets, as it were, to see what's what's out and about. Um, you know, I always, I mean, in, in all honesty, you know, it, it, Facebook is a good place for that. If you've got, you know, um, lots of friends who are pipers, the, inevitably they'll they'll be posting announcements of various kinds. Um, you know, the, the Dunsire forums always has that, that announcements list. People always post uh, what's coming up there, depending on what state you're in. Um, you know, those kinds of places are always good places to find. A USPBA website has a calendar of pretty much everything that's going on on the East Coast um, in the coming months. So they're, they're always good places to look for those random weekend events, because if you don't hear about them and, you, and you, you're wondering, oh, scratching out, well, I wonder what's going on. If you check those places, you're bound to come up with one or two. Um, and you'll and you'll, you'll never hear them, you know, anywhere else unless you know who's people who are involved in them, you know. I agree. I am still working on this project because now 
John asks random question. If I'm playing two slightly different strength channel reads and have my drone reads calibrated to one of them, how can I play at the sweet spot for the second channel read? That's a great question. Uh, I think you should get two sets of drone reads. <laughs> I mean, uh, ultimately, that's what I'm doing for solos because it is such a different strength um, than my band read. So I have two sets of drone reads. I've just labeled them. Um, and uh, that way they, they end up back in the same spot. But uh, if, if they're close enough, I mean, calibrate them to the harder read. And uh, if you're getting a lot of instability, um, then you'll have to recalibrate them for each time. But I, I don't think it's, uh, if they're close enough, if they're just slightly different, uh, that's not a big deal. Uh, yeah, I, it's, you know, it's, it's like differences you can probably get away with it. And even if you have to calibrate a little bit, it's not a, it's not a huge effort right. to do that. Or two um, sets of pipes, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the two sets of drone reads for a while, and, and it, it can get tedious because you're constantly swapping things in and out, and um, you want to be sure that you know they're all going the way they should, they should be going, and I don't know. I've um, been I, having I, no I, trouble with... Yeah, with I, I, it's, 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 just, it's just work, and you have to remember things. I don't know, it's, just, it's easier for me to just sort of plug them in. And I've been swapping tenors lately, so I might be end up doing that this year. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I I'm playing a, a set of canards for solos, and I just wrote on the back of them, um, you know, uh, solo, solo inside tenor, solo outside tenor, and then I did the same thing for the for the band reads and just labeled them band, and that way they end up in the same place. I mean, my drone, uh, my reed seats are all threaded, so they go into the same they go mm -hmm. in the same amount. Um, and it's it's literally as easy as swapping them and then picking up my pipes again, and they're ready to go. Excellent. Well, that was, I think, you know, who's asking this question? We're asking, uh, some of these are asking, you know, different moisture questions. I think Michael Miller's Magnificent Maintenance Methods class would be a good class to sit and, and listen. You can figure out how to handle all that moisture stuff. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's we, you know, we often start off with a maintenance class at the spring training workshop because that's sort of a prerequisite to the rest of the stuff being useful, you know, is making sure the pipes get set up. We also have um, ongoing, uh, what do we call it, Carl? Maintenance table stuff where, um, where you can actually, I think it's, is it five bucks or 10 bucks? And then, uh, I think it's or like more 15, people. but. Really? Are we getting that stingy about it? Uh, interesting. Well, you know. <laughs> I don't remember. Don't quote <laughs> us on that number. I... But it's a, it's a, it's not a large amount of money, but what they'll do is they'll actually uh, personally work through your entire bagpipe for you uh, to make sure that it's mm -hmm. maintained really well. And that's one of the most popular. People are like, forget the classes. I'm just coming oh, to yeah. get my. There's, there's a stack of pipe bagpipes waiting for uh, treatment there the whole, the whole entire weekend. Yeah, well, it's a great is, thing, though. Yeah, we have the whole crew ready to go and working on pipes, so um, so it's pretty cool. And, and of course, so on the Friday night, yeah, we're talking about maintenance, um, crossing noises, uh, drummers are doing rudiments, and uh, I'm doing a little metronome class on the Friday. I don't know. Mechanics of blowing steadily. There you go. Yeah, what are the mechanics of blowing steadily? Oh. There, that's a great question, and I've got lots of great answers for you in the class. But uh, we're we're going to do some fun, uh, some preview. Um, well, we talk a lot about 
uh, kind of the, 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 not a lot about the setup. We touched briefly on the setup of like, you know, you got to have a comfortable bag. That's, you know, kind of like a prerequisite. And of course, maintenance would be a prerequisite. Your bag has to be airtight, ready to go. Um, so we talk about kind of the, the, the style of bag that you play and if it's comfortable. Then we talk about posture. Um, and, you know, are, are your drones going to be uh, you know, totally sticking straight up next to to your chin, um, are they, uh, you know, somewhere at about a forty-five degree angle, um, and uh, so we talk about a lot about that. What's going to give you the best um, support and and comfortable um, approach, uh, and we also talk about placement and use of our arm. Um, how do we use our arm? Um, how do we blow steadily? Uh, and then we're going to get some manometers out and. Uh, hopefully hook in everybody throughout the class um, in, uh, into a monometer so they can actually see the, um, how steady they are uh, in, in real time and what they're doing with the system um, of blowing and squeezing and how they uh, kind of interact with each other and how, so what's, what might be wrong in that system and what needs to be corrected. So it's going to be a really, really fun class. I'm excited about it. Wouldn't that. it be a great thing to not, when we reach that point where this class wouldn't be necessary at all? It always <laughs> astonishes me, that, like that, that this kind of thing just is so overlooked by by pipers who are just beginning, whether they're being taught by bands and they just they don't. I mean, it should be such an easy thing, right? If you've got an airtight system, you should be able to at least know some fundamentals and be able to blow steadily, right? But you know, you sort of. I don't know, it just gets overlooked and people just sort of fall into different habits and, I don't know, it's always amazed, amazed me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it, that is, yeah, it, it, it's hard to, to teach when you're, when you're first starting out because it's kind of like well you got to get the yeah. hang of it first and exactly yeah there's definitely a learning pro yeah. learning curve there about that but once you get to a certain point it should be uh, it comes down to very simple things and then it just takes practice right right <clears throat> what else are we looking at andrew what else is good here i'm just seeing what john john wrote most teachers in quotes of piping never address these issues yeah i i don't think um I don't. I think it would be fair to say most teachers don't really have a solid grasp of, you know, um, of the idea of uh, achieving good tonal quality and and how it all puts together. You know, I think it's just oh well, we have to blow steady. You know, and yeah, that's sort and of. He, and, and here's some music, and let's learn the tunes. You know. Yeah, like you just have to blow steadier. Well, actually, there's a whole lot more to it than that. You know, and, and as a matter of fact, I talk all the time in my classes at Dojo U about how blowing steadily is not really my goal when I'm playing. Right? Um, it's not really, I don't think it's something that we should be striving for. You know, I think we should be striving for a great tonal quality and that um, in searching for the best tonal quality, you know, steadiness is a natural byproduct of that. Right? So I'm not really all that concerned with blowing steadily. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, um, obviously the mechanics and bagpipe setup, you know, are essential in, in order to achieve that tonal quality. So, so I think, you know, I think Carl will be pointing toward that. 
Phil, Phil says his first teacher put him in a corner with a drone and made him listen to what he was doing. It was sort of like a... Is that the bagpipe equivalent of a dunce cap? I don't understand. Yeah, like, did you put me in a corner with a drone? Duel of repentance, listen? as it were. How did that <laughs> double did up? Can. Question mark. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I'm having trouble picturing that, Phil. I, uh, um, <clears throat> there is that classic Piper trick of going into the corner and then you get to sort of oh, yeah. things come back at you a little oh, bit yeah. better. Everybody sort of like faces the wall and just sits in the corner that, that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Shona asked earlier too: Are we going to be putting some of the the Dojo U, uh, some of the con or more workshop content up on Dojo U? And I think the answer is yes, kind of, right? Sean says, "I would like to see the list of the Oren Moore fundamentals." Uh, yeah, uh, you know, the interesting, the interesting thing Number one. about you know, play bagpipes. Uh, Oh, I see. So you're, he's referring to Oren Moore has a very specific and objective set of fundamentals that we teach within and outside of the band. Yeah, exactly. Well, I will give you a hint in that the Oren Moore fundamentals are extremely similar to the <laughs> uh, dojo fundamentals because um, because the way that we look at things is, you know, there there are the list of fundamentals and that's what they are. So, um, you know, um, from the finger work side of things, right? Uh, scale navigation, rhythm, qu uh, quality of articulation, um, ALAP, ASAP, or sort of um, small scale dynamics, and then large scale dynamics of pulsing. You know, those are the uh, you know those are the list of fundamentals that we work from. And then uh, bagpipe tree of sound, we teach religiously in the band. Um, it, you know, which is that's how we get our instrument. To sound um, really good, uh, and, uh, and all those things will be covered in thinking about bagpipe fundamentals the right way, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the important thing is, you know, and what we're going to talk about in this class that I'm going to do is, you know, um, how how do we think about what we're doing in order to achieve the result that we want? Um, and so we're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk about what the fundamentals are and how you know, every challenging scenario um, can be tackled if you look at it through the lens of the fundamentals, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a perfect example was, or is when you get a score sheet and they, and the score sheet says, you know, you have to watch out for, you know, uh, you have to watch out for crossing noises. And by the way, you need a little bit more expression in the third part. And, you know, um, there's a lot of subjective terminology that'll come out on the score sheet. Okay, well, how do how do you filter that through the fundamentals to isolate exactly what uh, what you're going to work on? You know, or uh, you know, or another example is, man, my my pipe band is really we're not getting a steady sound. You know, we're not able to get it in tune. It's like, well, you know, have we looked carefully at everyone's bagpipe tree of sound? Right, ninety nine times out of a hundred. Uh, a band is not tunable due to something that has nothing to do with tuning. You know, uh, mm -hmm. by 99 times out of 100, I probably mean 99.9. .9. Right? Um, 
you know, 99.9% of the time, the tuning could be drastically improved if we look at um, the preceding elements in the bagpipe tree of sound. So, so we'll talk a lot about that. And then um, during the day Saturday, we have a lot of repertoire classes where members of the band are going to be actually teaching tunes. Uh, and Those are always fun. Yeah, a lot of people like that. And in past years, we've actually overlooked that. You know, we've had all these great classes about thinking about bagpipe fundamentals the right way, and then we kind of forget to teach tunes. So this year we yeah. have a bunch of classes where we just look at tunes, and it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, how to Practice for Success um, is a great class that, uh, that we're going to do, and some of our guys that are really good at practicing are going to teach that class. I don't know. So on and so forth. Very good. Sounds like just the right thing, kinds of things to get you get you going for the for the season. Well, I only put a question out to the to the to the people attending is that how many people are actually planning on competing in solos this summer? That's a question to everyone. <laughs> says yes. So, yeah, so it's, it's a good a good number. Out of the 27 people, there's like a good handful of people who are definitely doing it and multiple attendees are typing. Excellent. So I guess not. <laughs> so we got James, he's, 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 getting, he's getting ready to do that. Look there, there's 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 your tagline for the next dojo ad. <laughs> I did just did better than ever in grade four solo. According to John. Well, Charles, why why aren't you going? To, why, and and Kathy, they, you haven't done it. So what's keeping you from doing it? Just out of curiosity. Um, And William is already. And don't be don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid of saying you know. Oh, I'm not you know I'm not ready. I'm not on pipes yet. That's fine. Uh, you know it's, but if the if it's, um, you know if you're up on the pipes and you've got tunes going, um, you know you should give it a go. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean you know the the answer is really kind of, I mean competition is really kind of the only main outlet for performance we have. Um, which is why you know every we we spend so much time talking about this stuff is you know because you want to do it well and you want to do it you want to hopefully uh, make a good go of it. Um, but I think, it uh, really is, you know. Um, yeah, you should have a crack at it. Just do it because I mean otherwise you're just stuck. You're, you're stuck. You know, which isn't a bad thing. Stuck playing for yourself and you know working on improving and wanting to do the best job you can. And you know, but ultimately, you know, there is a. Uh, you know, there is a definite culture that exists in competing piping world that uh, frowns upon people just, you know, giving solos a shot, you know, and, uh, you know, like people who aren't super prepared or, or don't take it super seriously. But that is not um, – that shouldn't stop you from getting out there and trying it, you know, and seeing yeah. what the experience is like. Because there's definitely that, you know, and, you know, you might do a couple of things that aren't, like, perfect in line with what the establishment expects you to do you know like maybe you'll leave out some doublings that should be in there or maybe you will 
do this, that, or the other thing. But it's definitely worth getting out there and trying it because solo competition exists for two reasons. The most important reason uh, is that it, it's going to develop your playing. It's going to make you uh, prepare hard and uh, you know learn to deal with your nerves and practice your performance. And you know that's the first and foremost reason that we want to do this is we're going to get out and we're going to perform for an audience. You know, it's a small audience, but that judges an audience that knows what they're talking about and can give you really good feedback, you know. And then uh, the second reason is really important, but it's not that important, which is you want to win. You want to get the W. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love the W more, more than probably and it, it, as much as any other guy. But then you should. Um, <laughs> that's exactly it. You know, and uh, but that's not the reason that we do it. So anyone who even remotely right. wants to get some qualified feedback uh, just on you and just on what you're doing, you know, you got to do the solos. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, and for me, it's like, you know, it's really more of an opportunity just to play, you know, and try and, you know, give a fair sort of performance on material that is challenging. And maybe you want to, you, you know, you, you're sort of working a little bit on doing different things and you want to just really, I don't know play it in front of somebody <laughs> you know i mean that's really what it comes down to and i mean siri mentioned earlier that in the chat there she wants to practice getting out and playing in front of people you know uh out in the parks and stuff like that and then that's definitely you know an option i mean i i i've done that too where you just want to play in front of people you know you just want to unfortunately there's no formal way to do that as pipers you know the only formal way to do it is in competition and usually that's just in front of one person you know um, and if you're lucky, whatever, you know, a few handful of competitors watching you. <laughs> what would you say but, uh, to, uh, Vin, what would you say to Kathy who just said, you know, I, I do a lot of music seriously and bagpiping is a hobby that, you know, I, I have just, you know, because it's low stress, you know, that, and so I don't really want to play solos. Yeah. I, you know, there, there's definitely no, uh, there's definitely some merit to that statement. Yeah, no, there's definitely some merit to that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's definitely fun playing in your bedroom by yourself, right? You know, you just play around, do whatever you want. Um, it's also why but, it's also why I don't enter any acoustic guitar solo competition. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know. Oh crap. <laughs> right. There you, you know go. What I mean? Yeah, I mean, because it, it can be stressful. Is it, it can be a grind. Um, it's it's definitely, uh, you know. But again, that's uh, you know, from from a standpoint of personal challenge, maybe personal benchmarks. You know, maybe I mean, if you're used to doing that, competing with other instruments or playing with other instruments, I mean, um, you're already used to the stress, right? You're already used to being in those situations where you have to manage your nerves and 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 whatnot. It's just a matter of applying that stuff. You should be a pro at it by now. <laughs> I wish I was, you know. Um, but it's uh, it's just another opportunity to really sort of, um, you know, see what you can do, more or less. For you know, for, for I would think as a just as a personal statement of what you're doing, you know. Um, and they become milestones too, you know, just getting out there and playing, and you know. But playing by yourself and for yourself is not a bad thing either. Yeah. I actually don't get I don't I don't get that nervous um, in the band or the solos unless you know unless their the stakes are really high that's when I start to get nervous so you know if you know that your band has a chance to win this one you know that tends to get into my head and uh, makes me really nervous um, but uh, you know 
or or if you're in the solos and it's like man if i play this tune really well i could win the silver medal you know i've been in that situation and, and that uh, has made me really really nervous which it probably shouldn't you know you should probably yeah. let the prize but it's easy it's easy to let that get into your head that's when i get the most nervous I, yeah but uh, I, I, you know shouldn't you shouldn't fight it though i mean i think I, I think a lot of us get into that habit or that trap of actually believing that somehow those nerves shouldn't exist and they should be going they should go away when in reality really that's a natural part of your own functioning and sure. you sh should be able to work with them um, and manage them to, to yeah. a degree where they can actually be help you not hurt you I so, think it's right. I, I mean if you're getting super overly nervous I don't think you're doing it the right way or that you're approaching solos from the right perspective mm -hmm. um, because any sort of you know debilitating um, nervousness that way it, it, it's just it, it's not needed I mean I, I think if you approach it from a standpoint of hey I'm going out there to play some good music and you know so what if about the result it doesn't really matter because I'm going out to play music and as long as I ac accomplish my goal um, I'm happy and hey if I accomplish my goal really well uh, I might win um, or I might get a second place or big deal you know, I went out, I had fun, I saw my friends um, at the competition, got to chat with them, and it was fun. A Andrew's, Andrew's looking for the win. But <laughs> I, I think Andrew will agree that, that the more you focus on just playing the music, the more likely you are to get the win. Yeah, and right? it's, and it's, and it's yeah. fun either way, but, I you know, I, I hung out with my friends. Always, always fun. With my friends it's always too. funner. See, he doesn't have any friends, so he's getting a loser. The W is his friend. Hey, you know what I got? I got a whole bunch of these on my wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> Carl's got friends. I got W's. <laughs> well, I, you know, for me, I, I, how I, you know, how I handle the nerves typically is, and going back to the spring training aspect of all of this, is is to really develop a routine that you feel confident with. Um, in your tune-up and your your sort of performance uh, regimen, I guess you want to call it. Um, you know, just having that practiced and being able to not think about it too hard um, sort of alleviates a lot of nerves too. So just and uh, you know, it's all these sort of techniques that you can, you can use the spring for to really work in something that you can uh, that can alleviate those nerves for going out in competition, especially if you're going out for the first time um, and you really don't have never done this before. Um, it would be worthwhile to get some advice on how to how to prepare yourself in terms of, you know, your tune-up, um, you know, what routine, how long should you take, you know, how long should you do this, that, and how long should you warm up, that kind of thing, um, and and have that practice and use that and make that a part of your practice routine at home. So when you go to the games, you just do it and everything falls into place. You know, that's that's the goal there. Yes. I, and, you know, all joking aside, I love the W, but, uh, yes, Carl and, and then what John is saying about Jack Lee, that's exactly the attitude that we need to have, which is mm -hmm. that, um, you know, make good music, do it well, and then the win will be a natural byproduct occasionally. And, uh, you know, so we don't need to be obsessed with the result. Yeah, and age is not a factor. You see a lot of people.
like sort of studio quality, you know, sound of any kind. But it's, it, you know, at the same time, you want it to be entertaining and fun for people playing in and watching. So, but it's the type of thing where it's going to take baby steps. You know, um, yeah. I think you can get a pretty good idea of you know who should win a grade four contest without super high quality stuff. And then yeah, mm -hmm. like I think you know as you as you get more and more experience, maybe you work your way up through the grades. Uh, that um, you know that I think I think your recording would get better. I mean, Vin, you're a, you're like a uh, a grade one, you know, really good experienced piper. So of course you're gonna play with higher quality than than some of the others. <laughs> but, I'm gonna uh, get my studio going. I get the directional mics going. I get the whole thing. thing. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just a matter of uh, I don't know overall overall product, I guess. I don't know. But it doesn't take away from the actual concept. It's it's a great concept, I think. And and again, it's one more opportunity to to play in front of people, right? This just happens to be a different, you know, format. Um, it's and it really and at the, at the heart of it, it's really just taking advantage of any opportunity you can to play in front of people because we have so few of them, you know. Um, And then people are letting us know. And and then Bill, Bill has only three hairs left, and yes, they are gray. Well, you also save those hairs because if you ever need, if you ever play cane drone reads, you're going to need it. <laughs> right. So he only has three cane drone reads left. Yes. In his pipe well, that, that that or you can uh, use chest hair as a certain unnamed instructor of mine always used to use because he was. Bald. That's really gross. Yeah, oh, that it was gross. kind of like. Okay, well, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, this is about to go down a very uh, inappropriate path. So I want to <laughs> I, I thank everybody for coming to Dojo Universe today. And, uh, um, yeah, mp 3 for critique. I agree. I think that's good. Um, you know, and I think online competitions are really great and uh, – you know, I think you can expect that the Dojo universe will definitely be getting involved in that in the future um, as well, you know, um, because, uh, yeah, I think it is a great idea, and it's obviously something that, you know, we're going to be big proponents of. Yeah, and it's relatively, e you know, easy to, 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 to get people involved and interested in, too, which is, you know, it seems like everybody's got a camera and recording device of some kind so these days, and so it's a really easy thing for people to just jump on top of, so. Indeed, indeed. Okay, everybody, let's wrap this up. Thanks very much for coming to Dojo Universe. Um, we didn't quite have our record attendance, but it's great to see so many people coming out and, <laughs> and hanging out with us and talking a little bit of piping. And if anybody ever has anything that they want to talk about or um, if they want to share their latest solo competition or whatever, we could definitely do that. Um, you know, you can always contact us. Our email is info at dojouniversity.com. So can, uh, as, a, as, as a final uh, question, Siri asks, are we going to have more competition dojo prep classes? And the answer is yes. I think John Bottomley is going to be teaching a class coming starting in April. Um, you'll probably hear about that uh, starting next week, um, which is exactly that thing, um, preparing for competition, uh, musically, you know, personally, all that stuff. So uh, it, should be a, it should be a good, good class, um, so watch out for that. 
single class or discussion and the difficulties of transitioning from practice chanter to the pipes. I just happen to think that that is what we are talking about next Wednesday at Dojo Universe, right, Vin? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Mainly because we were trying to fi- we've been trying to figure out what we're going to do next week. That sounds like a perfect topic. And it just, it just so happens, Gary, that we've been planning that for months. And so, boy, <laughs> you're yes. in luck. Yes, uh, uh, we'll have to notify the planning team, get that rolling. What is replacing, what is replacing Donald's early Monday class, Carl? I think he's doing, he's doing something not dissimilar from what John's doing. He's going to be working with players to uh, develop their overall quality, and it's going to be like a sort of hands-on, um, a hands-on class for... Yeah, hands-on competition prep, almost um, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah. a performance prep class that he's going to do. We'll get a good yeah. idea for what he wants to do on Monday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> next week. Excellent. All right, guys, we're wrapping it up. We'll see right. you later. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about uh, transition to the pipes next week. Happy St. Patrick's Day, all. Happy, happy. Keep your hands warm.